the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, I am tired, I am weak, I am lost. Precious Lord, and lead me
spirit to Galilee, and news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. Jesus went to Nazareth, where he'd been raised. On the Sabbath, he went to the synagogue, as he normally did, and stood up to read. The synagogue assistant gave him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the prisoners, and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the synagogue assistant, and sat down. Every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. He began to explain it to them. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled, just as you heard it. This is Luke, the fourth chapter. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress, brought to you by the National Prayer Chapel. We are Ray and Alexandra Greenlee. Welcome, Ray. Thank you. We want you to know right up front today that the Lord does not want you in oppression. He does not want you in bondage. Bondage to sin, bondage to whatever, financial loss. He doesn't want you in bondage. He wants you free. And so what we've read is the statement, Alexandra, of the purpose of Jesus in coming. Yes, and we were speaking this morning and saying, what is the difference between proclaiming release to the prisoners and liberating the oppressed? And we came up with some pretty interesting insights. So if you think about prison, so on the one hand, if you're in prison, you are physically confined. You can't, you can't get out. But there's a reason why people are in prison, and the, the reason for that is because they are being punished for something that they've done that was wrong. So what Jesus is saying here is he claimed to proclaim release to the prisoners. In other words, if we've done something wrong and we're suffering the consequences of that wrong action, Jesus came to release us from those consequences. I, I was speaking recently with a Christian sister who was telling me, I know my sins are forgiven in Jesus. I know I have eternal life, but I just can't seem to get past the consequences of my sin. It's been years and I'm still being afflicted by the consequences. And I said to her, well, God's mercy does extend even to the consequences of our sin. And I shared with her about how I had gotten into a lot of student loan debt before I became a Christian. And after I became a Christian, I, I repented of it and put it under the blood. I, it's not something I would have done had I been a Christian. I would not have gone $60,000 in debt for a bachelor's degree in English, that's for sure. But I did, and Jesus has been faithful. He's, he's paid off almost all of it. And there's just a little bit left, and I know he'll completely free me. Now, this is different from liberating the oppressed, because when we're oppressed, we haven't done something wrong to deserve it. No, let's stop a minute. Do I hear you correctly in saying that you believe 
that the consequences of sin can be removed from your life. Yes. Now, in the example of David in the Old Testament, the consequences of his sin with Bathsheba was that he would lose a son. Sons, murder would be in his family. He paid some pretty severe consequences. Are you saying that when we come to Jesus, the consequences are removed? Yes, I believe that we can come to Jesus and ask him to remove those consequences. I don't think they're automatically removed in many cases, but it, it, it does require prayer, and it will often require action on the part of other Christians who love you and who care and are willing to help you out of that bad position. So let's be clear. I'm in full agreement with, with Alexandra on this issue. Many of you have thought, okay, I sinned, here are the consequences, I must bear the burden of those consequences. Jesus came and died on Calvary to even bear the consequences of our sin. That if you're saying, I just have to tough out the consequences, then you are not walking in the fullness of what Jesus did on Calvary. He came not only to remove the sin or the mistake. He also came to remove the consequences of that sin. So, for example, we see in the example of the woman who was caught in adultery and she was brought before Jesus and she should have been stoned to death and so should have the man, but he wasn't brought to Jesus. And Jesus didn't say, well, you're going to be stoned to death for your sin, but you'll still have eternal life. He didn't do that, but he removed the punishment in this present time for that sin. He said, I don't condemn you. I forgive you. Now go and sin no more. In other words, go and live your life in the joy of having been forgiven. And don't hurt yourself by walking back into sin and adultery. That is a joyous message to my heart. Because which of us have not made serious mistakes? Which of us have not sinned? And which of us have not suffered the consequences of our sin? But in Jesus, those consequences are released. That's the gospel of Jesus. Yes, and we simply have to take responsibility and ask Jesus to proclaim release for us. Release of the captive. Release of the prisoner. That's what he promises to do. And how do you see release of the oppressed, Alexandra? Yes, or liberate the oppressed. So to be oppressed is not because of something you've done wrong. So we were thinking of what's an example. And we thought of the woman who was bent over, I believe, for 18 years, who Jesus healed in the synagogue. And he called her a, ch a daughter of Abraham. So this was a woman who was not walking in sin. She was faithful to God. And yet she had for 18 years had a horrible physical condition in which she was literally bent in half and couldn't stand up straight. Well, that's an example of oppression. She didn't do something 
to deserve that. It wasn't a penalty for her sin. She was simply being oppressed by Satan. And Jesus came to liberate her. Now, some people have thought, and we're going to get into this in more depth, that my cross is the oppression I suffer. Jesus came to lift that oppression off your life, off your mind, to give you a sound mind and a sound body. He came with healing in his wings. That's what Isaiah says. That's what Jesus says here in Luke, the fourth chapter, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. So today we want you to hear that Jesus is moved with compassion for your condition. And if you are a prisoner of sin, if you are a prisoner of your financial situation, if you've made mistakes, if you are a prisoner in jail, Whatever the prison is that you find yourself in, Jesus is prepared to forgive you and to restore you and to remove the negative consequences from your life. He's here to rescue you. Now, please understand, the Lord Jesus wants to be involved in your personal life. And he wants to change that prison for freedom. He wants to forgive you and restore you to sonship in the kingdom of God. Now, some of you think you have to fight your way for years out of that prison, out of those mistakes, and you believe that you will always be under the consequences of those horrible decisions that you made that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ you will recall that we shared last week a brief story of one of Jackie Pullinger's converts who had a horrible criminal record when he came to Jesus he had been an addict he'd been involved in a lot of crime and yet he felt that God was calling him to go to Macau and he said, there's no way they're going to let me in with my criminal record. But he continued to pray about it. And so finally he said, okay, well, I'm going to try. And amazingly, they not only let him in, but they bypassed all of the usual bureaucratic red tape. And he was able to go in, into Macau and begin homes for addicts, just like the home that he had come to find Jesus in and had matured in Christ in. He was then able to set up that home and be a spiritual father to these new converts who were coming to Jesus. So Jesus didn't leave this man to just suffer the consequences of his criminal activity, but he removed those consequences so that this man could be free to serve where God had called him to and to reach out in love. If you're imprisoned by your circumstances, if you're imprisoned by the poor decisions that you've made, if you're imprisoned by those circumstances, you cannot properly serve Jesus. 
Instead, you will be grinding out the painful process of living through the punishment for your sin. The gospel of Jesus says, come out of that. Look for the miraculous. Part of where I have been walking in Jesus is living in his promise. He said to me, wait upon the Lord. The Lord will carry you through. I trust Jesus to work outside of me to pay for this radio broadcast. I trust Jesus to work outside of me to provide rent for the house I live in. I trust Jesus to work outside of me as I do what he's called me to do. I'm faithful to walk with him. He's faithful to carry me. Now, do I deserve that? Absolutely no. But that's the gospel of Jesus. He works outside of us to bring about miracles that set us free and to break the oppression. Amen. So let's go quickly to the book of Matthew. I want you to see how Jesus actually moves and works out what he has promised. In other words, he said, I'm going to release the prisoner. I'm going to set the oppressed free. He's come with a heart of compassion. So how does that actually work out in Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry? Well, let's pick the story up in Matthew, the ninth chapter. Verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. So let's look at this. Jesus is moving through towns and villages with his disciples, and he is preaching the wonderful news of the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It is the announcement that we are now free to come under the authority of Jesus Christ. It is not geographic. It is divine authority. We're no longer does the devil have authority over us. We're now walking under the authority of the brilliant light and glory of Jesus Christ. And he says, healing every disease and sickness. So Jesus is releasing the oppressed who are sick, who have disease, like the example you just mentioned. The woman who has been bent over for so many years, and Jesus releases her to stand straight up. And then when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Speak about compassion, Alexandra. The word compassion is interesting. It did not exist in the English language until the Bible was translated. It's a word from Jesus himself. 
the root word for compassion is pain. And I've seen this, as I've mentioned before, my, my friend Lauren Handy, who we interviewed from, she started the pro-life nonprofit Mercy Missions. I've gone sidewalk counseling with her outside of Planned Parenthood. And the look of pain that she has on her face, it's a love and a pain on her face as she watches each woman go into the clinic. And she has just a few moments to go to that woman and say, you can still change your mind. I'll help you. You have choices. You can cancel your appointment. I'll, I'll take your baby. And the look of compassion on her face is so moving. And I think that is in large part why she has been so successful. She's helped save over 500 babies just in the past several years because she has that heart of Jesus in her. So this is how Jesus felt. It's this mixture of love and pain because you see he saw that the people were troubled, harassed, helpless. And he actually had a way to help them. He says to his disciples, The size of the harvest is bigger than you can imagine, but there are few workers. Therefore plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for his harvest. And then he calls his twelve disciples together and gives them authority over unclean spirits to throw them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. Let's come back for just a minute to this word, compassion. It's often associated with the word bowels of compassion. Or bowels of mercy. Or bowels of mercy. Because the eye sees, he sees the crowd, he sees their helplessness, he sees their disease, he sees how oppressed they are. And he responds by seeing the pain and the anguish, by being moved in his bowels, the pain, the gripping. And then he responds by reaching out. So, please, it's a three-step process. You see because you're there. And you have then the response of compassion. Some of you have no compassion for the lost because you've not ever allowed yourself to see the desperate condition of a lost man or woman. But when you're right there and you see their desperate need and your heart responds by saying, Oh, I've got to do something for them. Now I'm going to reach out and do what I have to do to change their situation. Some of you pray for the brethren or you pray for someone, but you never move beyond praying for them. You don't move beyond praying for them because you don't really see their desperate condition. You just know you're supposed to pray for them. And so you pray. Now, one way that's very easy to help us see someone's condition is to visit them in their home. 
You could bring them a gift, you could bring them a meal, and just sit down with them in their home for maybe 10 or 15 minutes, talk with them, make sure you pray with them before you leave, and just seeing the person in their home and seeing how they live will do wonders to stir up those feelings of compassion. Now, feelings just are. They're not right or wrong. It's what you do with those feelings that matters. But we don't do much of anything without strong feelings. Feelings are the fodder that move us into action. So when we begin to see that family member and see them dying, when we begin to see that friend or that neighbor or that work person, when we begin to see the real condition of their heart and the anguish and the pain that they're carrying, it stirs that up in our own hearts. If we keep ourselves isolated from those people, we'll never have compassion for them. Yes, so part of this is just becoming more aware of the people around you. It's easy to walk past everybody else at work and only pay attention to our own work. But if we just start to look around and pay attention, I'm sure you'll start to see things that cause you to feel compassion for the people around you. He saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. He said they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Well, what is the condition of sheep without a shepherd? The wolf can come and eat them. They have no protection from the wolf. They'll get worms in their nose, and those worms will finally go up into the brain of a sheep and kill it. The shepherd is the one who puts the salve in the nose of the sheep that blocks the fly from landing and planting that that wicked worm that will begin to devour that sheep. A sheep or sheep will not drink from running water. They have to have still water. It's the shepherd, Psalm 23, that creates the dam in that flowing stream that creates still water. Jesus is saying, look, there's no one to care for the physical need of this person. There's no one who can provide them with water, with, with pasture, with, with health. They're in trouble. And he's moved with compassion because of that. And then he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. He sees that he cannot get to everybody. Remember, Jesus said, it's for your good that I'm going away. Why? Because he couldn't deal with everybody in the flesh. Instead, he needed disciples who would go out and do the same work he was doing and would rescue the sheep without a shepherd. So there's an interesting three-stage process, we might say, that is still happening today that we see in this passage. So first, Jesus sees and has compassion. And we know that this is true today. We know that God does see 
the many people in this world who are sick, who don't have water, who don't have food, who don't have clothing, and he has compassion on them. He sees you. And his direction is to tell us to pray that he would send out workers into the harvest. And then third, in response to that prayer, Jesus then does send out, in this case, the 12 disciples, giving them authority over unclean spirits and giving them authority to heal every disease and sickness. So this is the same case today. When we look at, it seems like an impossible problem when we look at the amount of poverty and sickness in the world today. But it's not an impossible problem. When we see that, it should motivate us to pray, and then God will send out us and others in order to reach those people with his compassion. See, this is why we have raised such concern about the baptism of the Holy Spirit because these disciples now, under the authority of Jesus, go out and drive out evil spirits and heal every disease and every sickness. But it wasn't the anointing of the Holy Spirit yet. They were now under the spirit of Jesus. But then he told them later, okay, wait for me now. Wait for the gift my Father is going to give you and that's when at Pentecost he sent the power of the Holy Spirit. If the disciples had gone out in their own wisdom and in their own strength and they'd not been able to heal the sick, they'd not been able to cast out demons, how far would they have gotten? What would they have accomplished? Nothing. They could have given the little bit they had they could have given the gold coins or silver coins they had or, or mites that they had. They could have given the clothing off their back. But they didn't have anything to really give. But when they went out under the authority of Jesus, they had authority to heal the sick and restore what the powers of darkness had stolen. So I want you to see clearly we're not speaking about humanitarian NGO stuff. We're talking about the power of Jesus now in his disciples and later in the power of the Holy Spirit so that the oppressed could be released. Yes, and there's two things I'd like to say on that point, Pastor Ray. The first is that this is not something that's just for an institution to do. We have this way of thinking in our culture of, okay, if the homeless are going to be helped, we have to create a board and start a nonprofit organization and do fundraising and reach out and help the homeless. Well, that's not the only way to help the homeless. A large way in which we help the homeless is by being there, being sensitive, being available, and as the Holy Spirit leads us, actually reaching out and helping those people. I used to teach at Northern Virginia Community College. And one of my students who had a young child who was about two years old, she 
was having a very difficult time. She lived with her parents still, and her dad was becoming very violent, and it got to the point where she said, I can't raise my child in this environment anymore. So what happened? What happened was that a w an older woman in her church reached out to her and said, you can come stay with me for six months for however long you need, and I'll help you get back on your feet. This was a woman who was working full-time, going to school, and trying to raise a child on her own. And it was just the kindness of this woman in her church to reach out and help her. And this is, this is how the kingdom advances. The kingdom doesn't primarily advance just through a couple of NGOs, but it advances as your average, everyday Christian, you, receives the power of the Holy Spirit, has the heart of Jesus of love and compassion in you, and then reaches out to meaningfully help other people. Would you want to say anything on that? I have sat with a homeless man and listened to his story and been moved with compassion for him. And that prompted me to take him to LA Fitness and buy him a one-year membership to get his car repaired and then to help him start his company again, finally resulting in his being able to afford his own home and go his own way. And he was removed from the homeless status into a productive person again. Now, he did not happen to come to the National Prayer Chapel and become a part of it. I didn't help him so he would do that. I helped him because my heart was moved with compassion for him, and I talked with him at length and prayed with him at length. Then he had to make the decision about whether he was going to follow Jesus or go back into his full-time work and earn his living and have his lifestyle. The Lord moves in us with compassion for people if we'll become exposed to them and find ways to help them. Second thing I wanted to share on this point. So part of this is our view of the gospel. So many of us have been taught kind of a narrow view of the kingdom or a narrow view of the gospel where we, where we know, okay, I know Jesus has given me eternal life. I know my sins are forgiven. But then in terms of my my actual current circumstances, we seem to think that God is far off. He has the ability to help us, but whether he will or not, we're not sure. We may have other mistaken ideas. But to return to what we open this broadcast with in Luke 4... Jesus said the Lord anointed him to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, liberate the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. These are all things that happen now while we're in this lifetime. Yes. And again, we see in what we've been sharing out of Matthew 9 and 10, when Jesus announced the kingdom... The kingdom he was announcing included healing every disease and every sickness. 
the healing is not just to confirm that the word is true. The healing is actually part of Jesus's mission. It's part of the kingdom of God coming to the earth. And so when we come towards this more expanded view of the gospel, and we understand that Jesus isn't just going to save our soul and then leave us to suffer until we die, then we first, of, we first of all can apprehend that for ourselves and find freedom ourselves in Jesus. And then secondly, that has a dramatic impact in how we reach out to other people because we understand that Jesus came to restore everything that the enemy had stolen. He is restoring us to the pre-fall condition to what Adam and Eve had in the garden before they had ever sinned. They were healthy, they were innocent, they walked with the Lord every day, they had plenty of food, they were clean. This is what Jesus wants to do again. He wants to restore that right now to the earth, to those who are willing to receive it. And the work of the kingdom of God is to move as the disciples did in answer to the call that we could do the work that Jesus was doing while he was on the earth. We're told in 1 John that if we love him, we will walk as Jesus walked. We will do the same things that Jesus did. Now, I recognize that what we're saying to you may seem very radical. And in fact, it is very radical. It's taking the Christian faith out of the institutions of our culture and making the faith in Jesus very, very personal. It matters what you do. It matters whether you suffer immobilized in your past sin and mistakes or whether you are set free financially, spiritually, physically. All of that matters to Jesus. He wants you to be free to serve him, to walk with him. Now, that may be walking with him in an office. It may be walking with him in a government job. I don't know where he'll have you walk. I asked a, a bank teller yesterday, is this a long-term job for you? Will you be here 20 years from now? She looked at me with the brightest smile. She said, I am here because Jesus sent me here. It doesn't matter where I am 20 years from now, except I want to be where Jesus wants me to be, doing what he's asked me to do. I said, you made my day. That is the answer. That is what we want. We've laid everything on the altar of sacrifice, and Jesus now covers us. I remember... Quite a few years ago, I was $70,000 in credit card debt. I had no salary. Many of those credit card debts had gone to collection. I got all of those bills out with my wife. We laid them before the Lord. And 
we said, Lord, this is the mess we have created. It is $70,000 worth of mess. We have no way to pay it. But we repent. And we ask, would you pay it, Jesus? When we arose from our knees with tears, we said, it is now under the blood of Jesus. It is no longer our debt. Our sense was that Jesus wanted us to begin to pray for the money to make minimum payments. And so we called each of the creditors and arranged what their minimum payment would be. And we said, now we are going to make those minimum payments as the Lord sends us the money. We're not going to ask anyone for it. We don't have a job. We're going to wait upon Jesus. And so as he sent the money, we made the minimum payments. And every month he sent enough money to make all of those payments. And so step by step, he began to set us free. And then it almost happened as in a rush. The year 2000 was coming. And we said, Lord, would you free us by the year 2000? Would you pay off entirely every one of these debts? And suddenly everything began to happen in a rush. One debt was canceled. $10,000 just canceled. That's amazing. Another $20,000 was canceled. And we were told, you are free. Then a large sum of money came from an insurance policy that my wife had totally forgotten that she had taken out from Florida. And somehow they found her, even though her name had changed to my name. And with that last large sum of money, by the year 2000, all of the debt was cleared. Thank you, Jesus. So what I'm saying to you, I've experienced. You do not have to walk in the bondage of financial debt. You don't have to walk in the hardship of any kind of oppression or bondage. Jesus came to set us free. Now, our attitude must be that of this woman. I want to be where Jesus wants me to do. be, and I want to do what Jesus wants me to do. And I know this woman has a very strong witness for the employees in her bank. She has shared with me the stories of her testimonies and of her witness. And I see the integrity that this woman has as she works for the kingdom of God in that bank. This is where we are set free to work in the kingdom of God. And I just want to stop and say, are you in bondage today? Are you deep in financial debt? Are you oppressed? Then Jesus came to set you free. And we have come to you like the disciples, but without the full baptism of the Holy Spirit, so we cannot heal the sick yet. But we're praying for the sick, and we're standing by faith that we will be granted that authority over all sickness, over all finances. So we're standing by faith. 
that revival will begin as you listen to this broadcast and your faith reaches out and takes a hold of God doing the impossible for you. You don't need to be discouraged. You don't need to be downcast. Jesus loves you. And he wants to deliver you. Will you reach out and take a hold of that and begin to stand by faith that you will have absolute freedom to serve Jesus in every respect with no hindrance to that serving of Jesus? That's what he wants to do in you. That's good news. Amen. He said, go to the lost sheep of Israel, and as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Well, we're preaching the kingdom of God has come. Because after the crucifixion, it had come. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So we see here again, the kingdom of heaven coming includes the healing of the sick, the raising of the dead, cleansing those with leprosy or skin diseases, and throwing out demons. And I just want to say here, we're, we don't often think about throwing out demons in our current culture, but I assure you, if you've met people who are insane, you have met somebody who needs a demon thrown out of them. We just have different terms that we talk about it in, but the deliverance or the healing for that person is still found in Jesus. You will recall the man who, who was living in the cave, an insane man, that the locals had to bind him with chains, and he was so strong that he would break the chains and he would cut himself with stones. This man was utterly insane. And Jesus went to him and discovered that he had many demons in him and cast out the demons into the herd of swine. And the result was that this man was seated at the feet of Jesus in his right mind and clothed. This is still the promise for today. Jesus didn't create us so that we would lose our minds and be in bondage in this way. So I do pray, as we pray for the Pentecost baptism of the Holy Spirit, that we will be able to do each of the things listed here. Now, part of why we're lifting this up so high is because there has to be a motivation in your heart to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is not so that you can have your wonderful life. This is not so that you can fall down when the pastor prays over you and give him the ego boost that he has the Holy Spirit. This is not for your sentimental desire to enjoy the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes in power to bring forth the kingdom of God and to release the captives. So we cry out for the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the church today to bring revival, to set the captives free for ministry. So we want to pray for you today. 
Now, we don't have very much time left. So we're just going to pray for you as the Holy Spirit leads us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just sense as we've shared this message today that there are men and women who are imprisoned, who have done things that were wrong, and they are suffering because of those wrong things and those wrong decisions. And you want to set them free today. You want to break the chains that bind them. You want to open the doors of salvation for them. You want to break the lies that Satan has spoken into their heart that they deserve this punishment and they're never going to be free of it. The rest of their life they're going to struggle. Lord, I pray you will come now to each one in that condition listening today to this broadcast and you will release them by the mighty power of your Holy Spirit and by the blood shed on Calvary that you will wash them and make them clean. Lord, nothing is impossible for you. Lord, I woke up this morning with songs of praise on my lips and was so conscious that you are not a God who is far off. You are a God who is very close. It is in you that we live and move and have our being. Lord, thank you. Lord, I glorify your name. If you know that you need to be freed today, if this message has touched you, would you lift up your heart now to Jesus or lift your hand toward the radio? Lord Jesus, I pray now for these men, women, teenagers, children, right now, who are lifting up their hearts to you. And Lord, I proclaim freedom to them in your name, Jesus. And I ask that beginning now, that they would enter into the full restoration and redemption that you have for them, of their minds, of their bodies, of their relationships, of their finances. Lord, I ask that you would completely restore them to the pure, holy image that you first created them in. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And Lord, we pray for those who are oppressed today, who haven't done anything specifically wrong to deserve the circumstances of their life, but they just find themselves in a very painful place. They find cynicism rising in their heart and hopelessness and depression. Lord, I'm asking, would you meet that person right now? We bind in the name of Jesus that oppression. Amen. And we break it by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. We set the captive free. We break the oppression now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you'd cause each person to reach out in faith and say, yes, yes, I can have a new life in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen. We have just a couple of minutes left in this broadcast. How can people reach us, Alexandra? 
You can reach us by writing to us at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That address again, the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You can also reach us through our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. You can send us an email. You can call us. Our phone, our church phone number is on the webpage. You can listen to this message again, as well as past messages. That's nationalprayerchapel.com. And we also invite you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search for National Prayer Chapel. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. We're Ray and Alexandra Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.